You've heard me talk about it before, and I'm truly not joking. I'm being 100% genuine. I love Doc Spartan products. I use it every day. I talk about the Sex Panther beard bomb. That's literally what is in my beard right now. And I use all of the scrubs, my favorite being the coffee scrub, just in the shower, gives you the tingles, gives you the feels. I love it. And there's so many other great products. I use their deodorant. I've used their hand care when I've had tears. Just check them out. It's veteran owned, you know, guy that was in the military serving our country, Dale. I got to know him over the years and he's just a great dude. And I started buying his products and he reached out to me and said, hey, we want to support the show and we appreciate it. And I just want you guys to not only support Doc Spartan and Dale, but also reap the benefits. If you want to be sexy like me, then you want to check out Doc Spartan products, 15% off with the code best hour. That's best hour for 15% off anything at their website, docspartan.com. Check out the coffee scrub and definitely check out the beard bomb. And ladies, there's stuff for you too. So head on over to docspartan.com, use the code best hour and save 15%. We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. Fern, did you do Murph? I did do Murph. What are you laughing at? Because it, it was interesting. Is Murph funny to you? What happened was, was somewhat comical. Tell, tell us about it. Now you've piqued our interest. I don't know how or why, but I did the fastest Murph time I've ever done in my life. Wow. Really? So tell yeah. us more. What was the time? 35.55. Oh, that's not good. Impressive. I thought that was fast. <laughs> with a vest or without a vest? With a vest. Oh, okay. You beat yeah. me with vest, yeah. Um, what, what did you, did you do it? Yeah, I did it on Memorial. You know, we're recording this on Tuesday the first. I did this. I did it yesterday with the box. How fast? How fast you do it? Thirty-seven, thirty-three. No vest. Twenty rounds. Right. So significantly fitter than you, basically, as we just established. <laughs> okay. You know. Um, I, so I, I, so I, so I have a strategy, right? And I'll give everybody the strategy. However, I will tell you this. Somebody was joking me with this morning. The weather. This is not a joke. Played a significant role in that going well because it was beautiful it was like mid to high 60s slight breeze like when i went on the second run i literally thought to myself it's really nice out here instead of my face wants to explode like i normally do yeah. and uh so but so i do so we ran an eight minute on the front end eight minute mile on the front end which isn't super fat. It's not like going to crush you. And then a nine minute mile on the back end. And then I did a 15 minute EMOM for the first 15 rounds. And when I got to in, and I've, I've done this a couple years in a row for Cindy, 15 minute EMOM. And then I just 
did the last five back to back to back to back, no rest, which puts you out the door in about, in about 18 minutes. So if you wanted a 40 minute, uh, Murph, which I think is a really good time to be honest with you, like with a vest, then you would just run a 10 minute mile, 10 minute mile, 20 minute EMOM and you're good. Yeah, no, I think that's certainly the, the method to get there, which is almost identical to what I did just without a vest. I, I woke up that morning and I have a vest in the garage and I was like, all right, I'll grab it. And I was just like, no, like I'm happy to do it. I'll, I'll go hard. It was raining here. I just didn't feel like, you know, excuses, excuses, whatever. But I'm pretty sore today without the vest. And that was what I was, you know, like we've talked about. I don't think you need to train for Murph. Uh, but I also think even if you've trained, which I've been doing, it's still just a lot of volume. And I was like, ah, volume. my elbows are I'm sore. Play. I'm sore. Like my pecs are sore. My quads are sore. I was like a little worried yesterday. I was like, man, I'm starting to feel this soreness set in. Um, but other than that, like it was great, man. I mean, the weather was so good. I mean, it like, and I don't, I, I like, it was so nice outside that like, I almost kind of didn't sweat. It was weird. Yeah. You no, know? Especially when there's no human, did you do it in Tennessee or did you do it back home at the box? So I almost didn't do it at all because I got home at like one thirty AM and we were in the first heat at eight thirty AM. So I was at the gym at like seven, like seven forty five, seven fifty, I think. So I was like super tired, didn't want to do it. But then after the first heat started, I was like, I don't think I'm going to get weather like this again. This is probably to my advantage. I should probably just do it. So I slapped a vest on and, uh, and, and just went for it. And like on the second run, I was like, dude, I was like, I might be able to squeeze this under six, under 36 minutes. So I like picked it up a little bit. It was great. So yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I was, that was not anticipating that at all. I would have, I would have been happy with anything around 40 minutes. Yeah. That's how I felt. I didn't even, honestly, I got there and it was kind of like so many people there. And all of a sudden the coach was like three, two, one, go like out of nowhere. I was like, all right, I guess we're doing this. And I came back and I wasn't paying any attention. I was in a spot where I could not see the clock very well. And then I was like, huh, let me even, I didn't even realize that the clock was running and I looked and I was like, Oh, I'm basically doing exactly what you said. I probably did an eight minute mile. I'm doing about around a minute of Cindy. I was like, I want, my goal became go sub 40, which yeah. right. I went back out for the run. My watch, like, I didn't have anything going to keep track of time, but I was behind someone. I was like, they're probably running about an eight minute mile. So as long mm -hmm. as I stick near this dude, I'm going to get back in under 40. So it was good. It was, a, it, was it was interesting. I was I was like thinking about it because I gave the uh, I was in a, I did a level uh, one in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which I haven't done a level one in a long time. I've done a I've done like a, a pretty long stint of level twos. But I gave the what is I gave the what is fitness lecture, nutrition and programming. And when I was done with the workout, I was like, this is a perfect example of what we talk about in level one with regard to health. You know, like your ability to do infinite tasks across infinite time domains throughout your life. And I'm like, I'm definitely not fitter than I was five years ago, but the fact that I can still walk out there and do that because I've been training for, for such a long period of time that there, there are some adaptations. They're definitely not permanent, but I would like to describe it as like, you know, the longer the stimulus is introduced for the, the greater the duration, the stimulus is introduced, the more permanent the adaptation becomes. So if you're like doing, that. you know, that's my like 13th, 12th or 13th 
twenty thirteenth Murph. At some point, you're you've done this enough time that that rep scheme becomes very manageable, regardless of like where your in air quotes fitness level lies, um, which is interesting. Like it, it's a it's a super because I wouldn't consider myself in great shape right now because I'm not like I'm not training super regularly. Um, you know, I could still throw down, but like I, I always feel like garbage. You know. Katie, I'm struggling not to say anything, but I appreciate you smiling. Number one, no, you're not struggling not to say anything. Katie yeah, recognized we, that we, I was one of, one of the things we all know you don't struggle with is talking shit. <laughs> How about my pink hoodie? Do you like this? Is it pink? It's yeah. weird lighting. Pink. Extra pink. It's available on besthouroftheirday.com. The all-new care line, Katie. So... <laughs> Young Katie, how'd you do? That might be taken. You might have just committed. Out of that, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. uh, we added a period at the end. Therefore, yeah. no, it's fine. <laughs> Young Katie, I know you dropped it in a box at uh, in Atlanta. Yeah, in Gainesville, Georgia, actually. Yeah, I did definitely did not do as well as you guys. I it I <laughs> during the wedding period, it was like about two months of <laughs> of not really working out. So my goal was to just do it and finish it. So it took me about 54 minutes. <laughs> I mean, anything yeah. under an hour is great. Yeah, it was fine. Hey, what um what type of cake did you have at the wedding? Ooh. Uh so it was three layer or Tears. The first bottom two tiers were red velvet with cream cheese. And then the top layer was lavender with lemon. Um, so Tyler's choice was the red velvet. And then I wanted the lavender and lemon at top, but our colors like purple was one of our colors. So it was kind of cool. Instead of red coloring, they made the inside of the cake purple. So it was like purple velvet with, with cream cheese. Nice. I love yeah. red velvet. I'm not a fan of lemon in any dessert. I'm really love, a fan of that anyway. I love lemon. I put lemon on everything. So, All right, so when you have your uh, one year anniversary with us, we will send you a lemon cake. Now, <laughs> is, is there some in your freezer? No, we didn't. We ate some of it like the night before we left for the honeymoon, but we didn't bring the, we didn't do the thing where you save the top tier. So we, yeah, we, we had donuts. What about Fern? Do you remember? I mean, mm -hmm. you've been married forever. what did you guys have? Oh, I remember it's burned in my brain. I'll tell you why we saved ours. <clears throat> it was amazing. I don't remember what it was made of, but it was really good. It was, it was best cake I've ever had in my life. We saved the top layer. What it was. We, because I don't care what the ingredients are. I'm just like, I don't want it to be gluten-free. Make sure it's real sugar. <laughs> I want it to be really delicious. No, so we saved the top layer. And then we broke it out about a year later. And because you have to freeze it. So we froze it in the deep freezer. And then we, we pulled it out. And then we went out somewhere. And we at the time, how old was our? He was probably like five or six. We had a great Dane. And so his name was Fuller. His super skill was getting things off the countertop, getting things off the countertop without breaking other things to the point where I tested him. So he liked, he liked things that were super fatty, like butter, you know, uh, heavy cream icing and stuff like that. So I, one time I was just like, I'm gonna see if he can get this butter off the countertop. So I put a bunch of beer bottles in front of the butter wrapper and the just just to see probably not the best idea because had they broken then he would have been injured but he didn't he he moved and at his at his heaviest he was about 170 pounds and he's about 34 inches at the shoulders so he could he could put his nose like on my 
like chest or collarbone, like while standing on all four. Um, he moved all of the beer bottles over to the side and then took what he wanted off of there. So all of that to say he ate the cake, the top layer of the cake, which was a solid five or six pounds, and then proceeded to shit <laughs> over the entirety of the foyer we came home and it it was the most disgusting thing i've ever witnessed in my life i mean he it was like he stood in the middle of the foyer and just spun around in circles and just shit <laughs> all over the walls everywhere i mean it was awful so we did not eat that cake our dog did well there's probably no chocolate in it then if the dog survived i'm not that i don't know he because he ate a lot of chocolate in his day too and he was just fine that sounds like a fern thing. Like, yeah, just a little chocolate every day. Builds no, we wouldn't eat. We wouldn't give him chocolate. Like, he would just steal it. <laughs> gotcha. Well, speaking of of Murph, of coaching, of dog shitting everywhere, <laughs> let, let's let's talk about coaching at a box. And I think you know, Katie. And I <laughs> that was the worst. <laughs> there was no, there was no, there was no segue available to you, but you just took it anyway. You're just like speaking of nonsense is basically what you should have said, and then transition. But I appreciate your effort, and the audience applauds you. Yeah. Well, you know, someone got to be the glue, right, Katie? So, <laughs> yeah, that's I Katie. We've already established that. We still don't know what you are. You're. you're... <laughs> we we were on a coaches development call, and we were you know talking about coaches that you know, want to level up their game and, and box owners, et cetera. And one of the challenges, because something you recommend as well as I do is, you know, maybe have less part-time coaches and maybe have more full-time coaches. And, and for many reasons, full-time coaches get paid. So it's a real job, right? Someone getting paid $20 an hour, a handful of times a week, probably doesn't care quite as much as somebody. It's like, this dude signs my livelihood checks. You know, this is how I put food on the table mm -hmm. but the i think one of the challenges with full-time coaches and you have quite a few is giving them the appropriate number of classes to coach right so it's not just for part-time coaches but then now also for the box owner because you're a great example i was an example of someone whose goal was to not be on the schedule so let's look at two things let's look mm -hmm. at one What's a reasonable amount of hours to coach in a week? And two, as a box owner, how many coaches, how many classes should you be coaching? Which one do you want to talk about first? You pick, Fern. You, you, you run with it. Let's go with coaches first. So I have found that, so if you wanted to break this up weekly, um, you could. The numbers are going to seem a little bit lower, but I typically the minimum that you would need to coach to be on the team would be 10. That being said, I don't have anybody that coaches around 10. Most of them are 20 plus. So what I would tell you is like anything less than 10 and you are probably digressing as a professional. 20 is, is what I find to be the point where like you're at least maintaining your skills and probably getting a little bit better. If you want to make big leaps, you're going to need to push to 30 to 40 a month in order to hone your skill set. That means you're going to get enough reps in there. You're going to have time. You're going to have time and opportunity to do something, get feedback, and then turn around and run it and retest it again. 
and then be able to maintain whatever that change was moving forward. So minimum is 10. I don't let anybody, like if they can't give me a minimum of 10 for the month, then that's not, we don't even continue the conversation, but I have everybody coaches roughly 20 or more. A how month. And how many coaches are we talking about? Um, so Lindsay, Cassidy, Rob, Andy, Jake. So six. Yeah. So all six of your coaches coach 20 classes. Good. A, min a, a minimum. Yeah. So some of them will coach more like Cassidy and Lindsay usually round out somewhere between 40 and 50 because they're full timers. And then everybody else brings in roughly 20 or so. So if they're coaching 40 or 50, obviously, over the course of four weeks, call it. That's 10 to 12 classes per yeah. week. Mm -hmm. is, that's is, that's that just group classes. That's not PT. That's not onboarding sessions. None of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, because one of the challenges becomes, for most people in the States, at least, we consider full-time like 35, 40 hours a week, right? Right. And then, okay, well, now we're paying someone full-time, but we all know. 35 hours of coaching is not realistic. No, 35 to 40 hours of coaching would be the equivalent of at least energy expenditure, something to the tune of like an 80 hour work week. That's, you know, what would be an interesting experiment. You and I both wear the whoop now to take someone who works a desk job and look at their strain and then look at the strain of somebody coaching 40 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's way, like, you and I get it. Katie gets it. Like anyone listening that coaches gets, but how do you really, no one's ever, um, quantified it. Yeah. Quantified yeah. It. But it's true. It's just, I mean, you, you'd have to factor in a bunch of things like whoop would actually be a great tool for that. You could probably figure it out, but the, it's a lot, right? Like just, I mean, if just the amount of moving around, just like steps, it would be one interesting thing. It's just a lot of moving around, but I, I don't know if you could factor in, just the emotional aspect of it. Like if you're doing it right, like you should be like really engaged, high energy, moving around a lot, a lot of one-on-one -on -one interactions, um, which I, it's probably not going to read as like high heart rate. Like your strain isn't going to be super high, but maintaining, you know, like a four and a half, you know, energy level over the course of a full five or six hours is, you know, you could use it in a workout, right? It's just like, Hey, we could do an hour long workout, but, at a, at a, you know, an RPE of four, or we could do a three minute workout at an RPT, an RPE of eight. The other yeah. one is going to read totally different, you know, even though you're at like half of the output. Yeah. It's, and, and, re, and really it's mental energy, right? Like I can right. go for a walk and I'm not expending energy, but it's, it's the mental energy of listening to people, talking to people, thinking about, Hey, I see this. What am I going to say to them? How am I going to improve them? So, dealing with nonsense. You right. Know. What, what would you say? So let's dig into that. If you're saying 10 to 12, let's call it 12, because I think that's reasonable. You know, it's on average two a day, yeah. maybe two, a two and a half, two, like two to three a day. Or like so, so it was average two and a half a day. Yeah. And I coach three in a row on Mondays and that's it. Like I don't, I could not imagine. Yeah. Maybe if I coached the 9am and I had a long break in the day, I can coach another three, but then then the issue you run into is, okay, well, that person's basically here for, you know, 12 hours a day. That's not reasonable either. Yeah, it really becomes problematic if you, because of how gyms operate. So gyms operate typically early in the morning through 
it's typically later in the evening. So to some degree, it's not so much like the number of hours and in, in that you're on the floor. It's the totality of being in the facility for 13 hours is what like beats people up because yeah, you might not be on the floor if you're a coach or something like that, but you're constantly engaged. Like at no point is there downtime. So you have the, the five thirty class, the six thirty class, you get a break. Then you got the 9am class. You got another break, which these aren't breaks. They're basically enough for you to eat, answer a couple of emails, walk about on the floor and then run it back. And then once you get in the afternoon, then it's like being in the washing machine. It's just like back to back to back to back. And then you wrap up, clean up, you go home, like, in a state of delirium, eat some food, go to sleep, and then repeat it the next day. So the the duration of the day is what crushes people, not necessarily the four hours of coaching. So that's where it becomes problematic. And that's why we shifted a couple of years ago to try to give people blocks where like we're getting them there. If they have the morning block, like getting them out of here early afternoon and then have some somebody come in and there's overlap where they take the afternoon block. Um, and then maybe have somebody in there who overlaps those two just for a little bit more continuity. So that allows everybody to stay fresh and, and energized and not get worn out really, really, really bad. But then inevitably someone has the late block and then the next morning early block, right? Uh, yeah, it could happen, which is just like, okay, deal with it. You have the more, you have the, the afternoon off the next day. So like you, cause you might have the afternoon off and the morning off that the following day, which is like, okay, do that. Um, and then maybe you have like a personal training client in the afternoon, or you're going to do a consult or an onboarding of some sort. And you just kind of like slide those in, in your open blocks, which is where you can, you know, really earn more money from a coaching standpoint. So, so you come up with that 10 to 12. And like you said, that's not including some one-on-one where they probably get paid a little bit more uh, or onboarding, which again, they probably get paid a little more. We break all right. of that down. Right. In a university, if anyone's interested, we help you set up your onboarding. We help you come up with the price. We help you pay right. just all that stuff. So I would assume with all that being said, you're probably looking at 20 to 24 hours of right. face time. Um, yeah. I mean, depending on what you're doing, I, I would think if you're constantly engaged, let's just say you wanted to make um, anywhere between 50 to $60,000 as a coach. And let's just say your average hourly rate was like, I don't know, 35 bucks. You would, you'd probably have to be putting in about 30 hours a week of administrative work, coaching, and some sort of PT onboarding combination, right? That, that would give you the number. It, like, and there's, that's a $10,000 window, but like, it's a reasonable window. So, but that's 30 hours for the week, right? So you can, you can smash 30 hours into the week without working a normal nine to five. If I go six hours, you know, block in the morning, six hour afternoon, six block in the morning, you do that five times, it's 30 hours. Yeah. And I think two things I want to touch on is one, as a box owner, you don't have to be attached or pigeonholed into this philosophy of 35 to 40 hours a week, right? Part of it is we just, you know, as you know, children of the seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, we're just like, Hey, that's what full-time is. Cause that's what our parents said. Like I've never worked a full-time job since I've not worked a real job. And they're, as an entrepreneur, there are weeks I work 80 hours and there are weeks I work 10, right? So I think you don't have to be pigeonholed in that. But the challenge is as a box owner, you're paying that person, like you said, 40, 50, 60 pay a year. They need to be putting in that work. They need to be justifying that payroll. So what are some of the things you throw out there for the Cassidy's and Lindsay's to be doing? And then I want to hear this. My question to you, because we just talked about it in our coaches development group is, 
what are some things that Cassidy and Lindsay do? And obviously they're unique examples because they're on mm -hmm. seminar staff, they're, they're level three coaches, et cetera. But what are some of the things that they do? Because it's like this idea of, I want more responsibility. I want my box owner to pay me more. I want this. Right. But, but they're, they're showing you that. And, and, and part of that is they made it on staff. I get it. Like that shows you the type of person they are, but that would only go so far. Right. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, so, I mean, the short answer is there's a lot of ways to do this. And I have found that there is a really nice sweet spot because it gives multiple opportunities for incentivizing or pay raises. If, if we, if we steal from the, uh, kind of the financial services sector or kind of like private equity, which is some sort of base paired with hourly. And, th and then there's, you know, there's like roughly five ways that you can play around with pay there and, and continue to like tack on, you know, 400, 500 here, 400, 500 there, which is, you know, roughly a $6,000 raise every time you do that. So, you know, annually, you know, you do that three times, you just gave somebody a $15,000 raise. So, you know, and they go from 25 to 40, which is a big deal. So now what, what they do is, uh, so Lynn, so they both are, they both coach group classes right? And then they both have a handful of PT clients, not a ton. I, I think that's a whole separate discussion where uh, I don't think people are telling the truth about PT. Um, and I, I kind of have beef with that. The, um, then there's administrative tasks they have. So Lindsay does all of the scheduling for the month, right? Cassidy works on programming and then Cassidy does a lot of equipment um, and then like facility management. And then they both do onboarding. And then Lindsay does a lot of the social media. Okay. So they have a lot of overlapping stuff. And then, you know, Cassidy will, and then Lindsay will also do some of our retail stuff. And so they both have overlapping piece within retail and supplements versus apparel and things like that. So, I mean, those are just a couple of the things, uh, you know, Cassidy does like payroll. So they, they have administrative functions um, that I no longer that? do. How do we what? How do you keep track of that? Because that's another question <clears throat> box owners have. Like, okay, they are doing the social media. They are doing the scheduling. So I find it easier. Again, this all, this all depends on you can afford it. So there's multiple iterations of this. We just happen to be in this iteration of it. Their administration tasks fall under their base pay. So okay. I don't track it. I'm like, that's just what you get paid to get all of that stuff done. Fair enough. And then, and then you get paid hourly for these things, which from a, from a, from a financial standpoint, from a tracking standpoint are way easier to track classes, PT sessions, onboarding. That's just looking at the calendar. Everything else is like, this is just what you get paid for these set of tasks. Okay. So now with, with that being said, have you ever had a coach that just went over the hours for coaching and you can see in them like, Oh, they, they burn themselves out. Yeah. I mean, I've been there, you know, Lindsay would admittedly say she's been there because they get over aggressive and, and don't understand the wear that that takes. And all of a sudden you're smoked and you're not as good at what you're doing or you're forgetting things. So there, there is definitely a, um, a certain amount of self-awareness that needs to be practiced here. We're like, well, I'll just coach six classes a day. And I'm like, I, you can do that. It's not going to end well. You know, yeah. if you're doing anything else, you know, that's the whole schedule, which goes back to that is all day. 
in most gyms. That is 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. I don't know about you, but when I opened the box and I was coaching almost all of the classes, like I couldn't, I would get home and the girl I was living with at the time, like I couldn't talk to her. What was the, I did this, this was years ago after I um, let a coach go. The, what's the most class you've done in a month? This is, you know, fat over 10 years ago and I wasn't keeping track the way we do now, but I would say I was coaching five to six a day. So you, you calling it, I mean, we're talking a hundred classes. So let's call it 25. Yeah. So that's about where I peaked out. And I did that after I, I let somebody go and I, and I held that for man, probably like six months. That's, and then, that's, fi- and then f- yeah, I was brutal. And then was finally able to kind of like remove myself or, or pull myself out of that position. But that is, <clears throat> That is um, not sustainable, number one. You're probably not very good at it. And you probably don't have a whole lot else going on in your life in, if you're doing that. As you don't did have you room have for it. Or did you have at least Logan? Um, that's a good question. I don't remember. I'd have to like look I at a calendar. I can't imagine doing that now. I'd have, a, I'd have to look at a calendar. Just... But it, it might have been, been just pre-kids because I just yeah. don't know. Actually, no. So she was born. No, it couldn't have been. No, it had to be. Yeah, it had to be when she was a baby. Yeah, yeah. So she was definitely born because she's seven. So yeah, you know, and 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 you and I have both said this to some of our affiliate U clients. You see this often, and you know, you did not do it in a good way. Where I don't want to get rid of this guy because I don't want to coach these classes. If you're keeping a coach for that reason, you. It's just a tremendous mistake. You know, the, the analogy, it's, also a, like, it's like staying in a shitty relationship. Like, ah, right. you know, we, we at some point, you know, I have to leave this. Like, I cannot do this forever, but I'm keeping this person on who's probably not great for my community, who's probably not putting in the work simply because I'm lazy. So I think that's... Well, it's a, also a weird one because nobody nobody thinks about the the... Let's just say you've got a coach who you're having friction with and at some point we've decided that hey this needs to happen right you need to go away the every time i say that you, you uh field of dreams when he says like i beat you with a crowbar and then you go away <laughs> remember that who's that james earl jones again, james earl jones yeah now i know what field of dreams is i have not seen it that's your homework for the week you gotta watch field of dreams. <laughs> uh, okay we- you know, you can put you can put that on payroll. You can you can put that. Yeah, as we, will, that. We, will, we Yeah, we will pay you for that hour and a half. The um no, so um the damn it, I really forgot. Oh, so yeah, so what they don't look at is, hey, I'm paying this person. I'm like, well, if you take it, and so the, I always find this odd when when the gym owner is is paying is either not paying themselves or paying themselves pennies, and they're paying this other person to work, and I'm like, you do realize that if you just take that, you now get paid for it. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I'm like, exactly. So you don't actually lose anything because you're doing a ton of work now and not getting paid for it. You could just at least get paid for it now. Um, so there is an upside there, which is I can reallocate that back to myself. And you should be factoring that in when you pay your, well, when you coach. You classes anyway. understand the bigger issue at hand there is most box owners just simply look at, well, it's my gym. So if I coach, it's just part of my job. But there's multiple levels of, of flawed thinking there. But my point is, if you look at it from that standpoint of which is like, I'm paying a coach, whatever, uh, insert a number 1500 bucks a month. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to coach all those classes. And I'm like, and you could also pay yourself an additional 1500 bucks a month. And 
get some earnings out of this. And then what I can do is I can build out of that while retaining the $1,500 a month and then backfill another coach and pay them. So once you pay yourself that, you need to figure out how to keep it and then have somebody else backfill in and take those hours. And we've already talked about roughly what it costs per you know, class to add is like anywhere between four to 500 bucks to add a class to the schedule. So that, that's the first thing. And then, you know, and then, so then the question now becomes as an owner, how much should I coach? And I would, I would give this kind of broad parameters less than you're coaching now, but more than you think you need to coach. I, I like that. And I think, again, I, I do think it was a mistake of mine. I got it in my head that as an entrepreneur, as the box owner, I should not be on the schedule. And it wasn't for any reason other than that was just an idea that I came up with. Like, man, that's success to me. I do not have to be here, which I, which I do think is important. What I, what I would have done in retrospect now is been willing to jump into classes, even though it wasn't mine, to lead it. And I would have done it in an effort to help develop my coaching staff. So, you know, Kevin's coaching the 9 a.m., I'm going to coach it, you know, one random Tuesday and be like, Kevin, watch me how I coach this push press. You know, I would have picked out a specific workout for a specific reason, push press so we can dig into the progression. I can show Kevin how to use dip therapy, right? I'm not necessarily on the calendar, but, you know, putting my ego aside and saying, hey, it's okay if you have to be here Tuesday at 9 a.m. Like, I didn't dislike being there. It was just my idea. Yeah, I think the natural evolution goes, I coach all the classes. And then the next step is there's a handful that I don't coach anymore because I got some part-timers or something like that. And then I coach, we'll call it less than 50%, but still a lot of classes. Right, so the average, the average gym is probably running a minimum of 100 classes a month. So I'm coaching still about 50 to 60, right, a month. So then then the following two stages would look something like, okay, I, I've come down to a minimal class load, something around like 20. And then here's where I think the mistake happens. So we've kind of gone through those first ones, which is I get to roughly about 20. And then I'm like, I'm coming off and I go from 20 to off completely. And the problem with that is you should be able to, I'm just not convinced that it's a good idea. Right. So instead of going from 20 to zero, I think you should choose something in the middle because when you go from 20 to zero, what I see time and time again is things start to fall off. The, the coaching gets a little lax. The facility gets a little dirty. The customer service gets a little lazy because you no longer have your thumb on the business anymore on the pulse of the business. And this is where people would make that mistake from going from in business air quotes to moving on and then the business gets worse and and by the way when you go from in to on the business should improve not get worse and it usually goes the other direction right for for crossfit affiliates is where they when they try to make the transition from in to on and they do you know none of the labor if you will then things typically get worse so instead of doing that what so i've i didn't coach for like two months just because I just wanted to make sure that we could facilitate a full schedule without me, which we absolutely could. It's not a big deal. But then I was like, I actually like to coach. I want to go back on there. So then what I did was we fill the full schedule. All 100% of the classes are covered. And then what I do is I go in and now and I cherry pick. 
and I move and I put my name over the top of those. I'm like, I'm going to take that one, that one, that one, and that one to move to about seven or eight a month. But because I still want to be on, like I took, you know, Lindsay was going to coach like four classes today and a couple of them. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to snatch up the 6am, give her a break in the morning. And then she can, and then she can come in and crush, but she can get up a little bit later. So it goes from, Hey, I need to make sure that I'm taken care of first and foremost. And then where I think people make the mistake is they, they're like, I don't ever coach classes anymore. I think you should, because now you get to be kind of like the bearer of good news, which is like, okay, Hey, by the way, I know you had four classes in a row there. I took one of them. So you don't have to worry about it. And they're like, cool. Thank you. That's exhausting. Cause we already know that. Well, good news, not only for the coaches, but I can tell you this, when you show up to those classes, the members are like, oh shit, Aaron's coaching. Like they're yeah. excited too. Like your members- yeah, you want it. You want to continue to be mixed up, but only as much as you need to, or want to, quite frankly, you know, like I love being in the gym. I wanted to coach. I told Lindsay, I'm like, fill the whole thing. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm going to go, I'm going to follow in behind that and then just pick and put my name on the schedule where I want it to go for what works best for me because that will help everybody. That'll help a coach who has a block of four classes. I'll get to be engaged with the members again, back on the floor. I'll get to have a good feel for what's going on um, and retain my skill set. You know, mine's a little different because I'm still working seminars. So that, that keeps the knife, that keeps the ax sharp there. So I don't need to coach 50, 60 hours, you know, in order to do that, you know, there's enough hours in there and then, you know, continue to work on it elsewhere where like, it's good. Could it be sharper for sure? But the business thriving is most important. And I've got pipe hitters here anyway, who are all really, really, really good. Well, that's interesting too. We forget, you know, box owners need to remember like any skill is perishable. And right. if you're not coaching, your skill is diminishing. If someone like you, someone like me, when we weren't coaching as much, we were on seminar staff working 16 hours a weekend, right? We're coaching more hours in a weekend than most people are in a week. And at a very, very high level where we're getting eyes on us, we're getting feedback, et cetera. Where if you're a box owner that's not on staff, that's not doing any classes, your skills are diminishing. Yeah, there's no way around. It's like it's like lesson planning. Like if you and we I've seen it with super high level coaches who have not been in the affiliate coaching. And then you can tell when they step when they step on the floor and have not coached in a while. Like the layperson, the Right. The, the lay person might not get it, but, but I can tell I'm like watching and I'm like, Oh, they're going to be late. Oh like, yeah. You see that was a mistake where yeah, occasionally, occasionally it'll happen. You can like run a little over on the timeline. You know, like I did it this morning. I didn't go over on the timeline, but I slipped about six minutes in there where I was just like, I had, and it wasn't a big class. So I was, I, I had the time and I got a little lazy and I was just like, oh, I was like, we'll, we'll slow roll it here. Cause I want to make sure we get this dialed in the way we want to. And I was like, okay. So, I mean, we still finished at 55. I would have wanted to be finished at 53. So, um, but you know, could that have been tighter for sure? Would it have been tighter? I had a coach back to back. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're also leaning on your experience as a coach, realizing for sure. I'm falling behind. Let me chop something off here where most people wouldn't have done it. <clears throat> So that and I that and I've been playing around with it. We talked about this before. I'm I'm playing around with like trying to make classes fun, not at the expense of coaching, but like really focusing on the the interaction, trying to make the warm-ups more engaging because I know the specific warm-ups are going to be dialed in. I know I'm gonna coach, you know, better movement after we say three, two, one, go. Like I those are all a foregone conclusion. Like I'm going to do them well. 
what else can I beef up? Like, how can I make the experience better in here? So the focus is slightly different and that's going to require some ironing out until you sort it out, but that's part of the game. What, what are some examples of things you're doing to, you know, quote unquote, make it more fun? Uh, kind of like if you're thinking about uh, cardio equipment, you know, like doing more interval type stuff instead of get on the bike and do, you know, three minutes and get warmed up. You can do interval based things there. You can pull a whole ton of tricks out of the physical therapy bag with regard to warm ups that are way more engaging. Like the, the, the number of drills that you can do with TheraBands is is insane. Like you can get definitely carried away there for sure. Um, a lot more dumbbell work, um, stuff like that. You know, partner warm ups, you go, I go type deal, things like that. Yeah, I think those are easy, low hanging fruit to just, yeah, like you said, make things more fun. That is the thing that gets monotonous from a coaching standpoint is like the warm up. It's like yeah. that is that is Groundhog's Day. It's just like, oh God. Cause you can go the other way. You're just like, I'm going to make this most awesome, super cool warm up in the world. And then it's just dumb. So give me your thought, your final thoughts. If, for, for an hour of coaching, if you had to kind of quantify what that means for in, in compared to a standard job. One hour of coaching? Yeah. It's probably double. So you think for every I mean, obviously this is a weird one, right? Like if you if you work construction, that's a different ballgame. If you work an office job, not even close to being equivalent. But if I have a job that already consists of, of, of labor and walking around and moving things and all stuff, like probably not that different physically, but as you mentioned earlier, there's the emotional aspect of that, which, which is way higher, which is pretty unique to fitness in general. You know, you're, you're either kind of typically doing one or the other in the regular world. I'm either like, you know, customer service oriented, where it's just like emotion, 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 or I'm work some sort of manual labor job where it's just physical and everybody tells everybody to fuck off. In coaching, you have to pair the two of those, which kind of doubles the output there. It's, it's, it's emotionally exhausting, uh, mentally exhausting, and can be physically exhausting. You adapt to it though. Like it, it becomes less stressful over time. I'll tell you that. It's interesting you, I mean, obviously I agree with you on that, but it's interesting because it's not a job that is paid based on that thought. In other words, not, not currently it's not. Yeah. I mean, in other words, coaches get 20, 25 an hour on average, you yeah. know, and then, and then here we are saying, Hey, you're going to get $20 an hour, but I'm telling you, this is going to be the most exhausting hour of your day. It's the equivalent of working two hours anywhere else. You're going to have yeah. to invest mentally, emotionally, and physically. Right. 20 bucks, go buy yourself one bacon double burger at five guys. You know, none of the topics that we talk about live in a silo. Like they all have overlapping and downstream effects, which is going back to like, it's not okay to break even. You can't keep coaches because you can't pay them fair wage because the business is not profitable because there's no systems in place and there's no plan. So yeah, it's not shocking to anybody that you can't retain coaches. Which is why I feel except like maybe to you, except maybe to you, and you can't figure out why. Not you, not you, not not you. I just mean somebody's listening to this and I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. You know, this is why we do affiliate university for that exact reason, right? To help people 
boosts their their bottom dollar, which allows them to bring on better coaches, which allows you. We just had a call where in the coach's development, the guy was like, I haven't taken a vacation in 10 years. Like uh, That's a long time. You don't own a business. You're a slave to a business at that point. Probably. Yeah, for sure. Probably a really poorly paid one. All right. Last question. Let's wrap this thing up. If you were going to put on any song in a class in an effort, if you're like, man, this one's going to be fun based on what you're saying, what song are you putting on? Ooh. I mean, it's going to sound cliche, but we could either put Eye of the Tiger. Of course. Or probably any song from the Caddyshack soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 80s movie soundtrack. Highly Kenny Loggins. Un- Kenny Loggins. <laughs> loose. Danger Zone. Come on. Yeah, I would have went. I the Tiger is the correct answer, right? Like that's the song, <laughs> especially in the end of a workout. Like you're just trying to get every. Like you put I the Tiger on. I don't care if you're, you know, 12 years old or 80 years old. You get it. Yeah. Like it's sure. time. To, it's time to go. It's time to do this thing. So go, uh, go blast some Survivor. I the Tiger. Go watch. Feel the dreams. Maybe throw a little Caddyshack in there, like Fern just said, and hopefully that helps. If you're expecting your coaches to work 20, 25, 40 hours a week, something's going on there. But if you're also the box owner and you're not poking your head in there, coaching some classes, ultimately that's a mistake as well. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time. You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a, a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like the Phoenix, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better. Do better. Will pay.